blessings. Thank you for every one of our members. We lift up every household. And we pray, oh God, that you will touch us one more time. Lord, I pray that you will speak the word to us today. The Bible says you send your word and heal our disease. Father, we thank you that somebody will be blessed this morning. We thank you that somebody will be healed this morning. We thank you that somebody, God, you will make a way for him or her. Glorify yourself in this house. It is so. In Jesus' name. And the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I need more volume on my microphone, please. I want to talk to you on the subject titled, Who Can Worship? In case you are here for the first time, I've been preaching a series on the subject of worship. The last Sunday, I talked to you about what is worship. And if you recall, in a nutshell, I share with you that worship is basically how you react to what God is doing in your life. God is operating round the clock, 24-7. He is a good God. So, but while he is acting, while he's doing things in your life, like today he woke you up, that's a good thing. Amen. You are able to inhale and exhale. That's a good thing. The air that you breathe, God made it. Some of you, you are able to eat before you come this morning. So God is always doing good things in our lives. Our worship is how we react. And I suggest to you that we should not take God for granted. Because the more you show how you appreciate God, the more he does for you. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that. But when you come to church house and you sit down as if you're all that, then don't be surprised if somebody next to you is, is experiencing the blessing of God while you're rolling your eyes. So, so by now I expect everybody in this house even those who are watching on TV, those who are listening on radio, those who are live streaming, everybody know now what worship is. It's not about singing. It's not about drumming. It's not about fast song, slow song. That's ignorance at best. You can even worship God without singing a song. Just having a grateful heart. I woke up this morning and worship. And I've never heard the choir. I just look back over my life. And see how he brought me. And my soul cry out. So your reaction is your worship. Today, my assignment is to deal with the question, now that we know what worship is, who can worship? Well, I've got some good news and bad news. The first thing you need to know, not everybody can worship. I know you've been told all your life, everyone just worshiping. No, not everyone can worship. You have to know God before you can worship him. I believe I tried that again. You cannot worship a God you don't know. And you'll be amazed how many people are in the house of God. And they're thinking they're worshiping God. But they don't even know God. 
And there are many examples in the Bible where God tried to serve notice that you're trying to worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from God. God is saying, you don't even know me. So are you going to worship me? The Bible gave us several examples. You remember when Jesus met that woman by the well, the Samaritan woman. And the sister is trying to prove to Jesus that she is Samaritan and Jesus is Jewish. Trying to bring up a racial issue that we worship here and your worship over there, we don't have anything alike. Now you're trying to set me up for a date. What do we have in common? And Jesus said, well, since you brought up the subject of worship, you need to know you're worshiping a God you don't know. Then he told her, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he told her, God is not over there or over there. So it's not that the Jews worship in Jerusalem and the Samaritan worship in Samaria. He said, no, it's not about that. You don't know the God you're talking about. It's a dangerous thing trying to worship God when you don't know him. So let me encourage everyone today. In times like this, you need a savior. In times like this, you need to know that your ankle is hold and grip that solid rock. And that rock is Jesus. Before church is over today, you can make up your mind and save, Lord, I'm coming home. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I want you to come into my life. Be my Savior, be my Lord. Then you become qualified to worship God. i got to warn you now, there are some people who have been trying to worship God that they don't know, and God crushed them. When you get a chance, you need to check out the book of Leviticus, chapter 10. And you will find an example of Nadab and Habihu. These are children of Aaron. And they decided to worship in the house of God. And God sent fire to consume them. Because what they were doing is setting false fire. You cannot worship God that you don't know. Again, you will see in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13, you will see the story of King Saul. He went to church. The pastor was late. Some of you can identify with that. And so guess what King Saul decided to do? He decided to play the role of the pastor to worship. He went to the altar to serve communion. He lighted back then they have to turn on fires and little, little sensors. And guess what God did? When the preacher came, he told him, you are out of order. And then he said, thus says the Lord, today you are removed from being king. You are fired. I'm trying to show you how dangerous it is to worship God that you don't know. There were other examples in the Bible. You remember in the book of Exodus chapter 32, when Moses went before God to have a talk with God. And before he came back, the people began to worship an idol. They make a golden calf. Am I still in the book? Guess what God did? 
he killed thousands of them instantly. So there's a danger in trying to worship God that you don't know. Infest your time. Don't just come to church just to check out the girls. Don't just come to church. I'm looking for a man. Infest the time. Get to know God for yourself. You cannot ride on mama's God or daddy's God. You got to know God for yourself. Somebody shout amen. amen. Again, you see another example where Apostle Paul was preaching in Athens and then he saw a statue of unknown God that the people are worshiping. And again, he told them the same thing I'm telling you. How stupid. You trying to worship a God you don't know. Then he said, let me introduce you to that unknown God so that when you get to know him, then you can worship him. You have to know God for yourself. That's the first thing. If you want to worship. This, there are other things that God requires of you to qualify to worship him. And those other things are spelled out in the book of Psalms, chapter 24. And I'm going to begin from verse 1 so that you understand. By the way, let me give you a quick background to that Psalms. It, there was a land dispute. The whole chapter is about a land dispute between God and the devil. The piece of land is called the earth, this planet. If you recall in the book of Genesis, God said in the beginning, he created the earth. Am I still in the book? And then he turned around. He said, worship me. I'm the owner of this real estate. I made everything. Without me, nothing is made. He said, don't have no other God beside me. Worship me. That's what God said. But then later on, you see the devil showed up when he met Jesus in the wilderness. And he took Jesus to a high place. And then guess what he said? He said, look at the whole earth. He said, I own it. He said, and I have power to give it to you. Worship me. So now there's a dispute over the earth. So you cannot just read the Bible. You got to understand what is going on. So God started to make his own case as to who owned this piece of property. And by the way, I happen to come from Africa, specifically from a country called Nigeria. I, I understood the law of that land. So I'm not just an American lawyer. And in, 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 in Nigeria, every now and then you run into a land dispute. Two people fighting, just like we see in this passage. And the way we resolve it in Nigeria is to say, whoever have the certificate of occupancy is the rightful owner. Now, you would think that should solve the problem. But there is another problem. Because it's a third world country. It is not uncommon for two people to show up with a certificate of occupancy for the same property. That's what corruption would do in any country. 
I pray every day that America will not become like that. But you're getting close. So what do you do when two people say they own the same piece of property? That's what we're dealing with here. So look at verse number one of Psalms 24. God begins to say, the earth is the Lord's. See, he's making his own case. It means, ladies and gentlemen, the earth belongs to who? You'll be amazed how many people still don't get it. Some of you act as if you own the earth. Just like the devil. So God expected us to manage the earth. But he wants us to know he and he only owned the land. If you recall in Genesis, I'm trying to help you understand it today. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, when he put Adam and Eve in charge, he said, keep this land and dress it for me. In other words, I own it. I'm only asking you to take care of it. If you get a revelation of that, then you won't have an attitude. Because some of you have an, a nice home now and you think you're all there. Some of you drive a nice car now and, and nobody can touch it. Because your thinking is flawed. You are only a manager of the apartment. You don't own the doggone apartment. I'm trying to help somebody. And by the way, if I may take a detour for a few seconds, God is still looking for a manager. The reason why some of you are poor and struggling is because you're not a good manager. You believe in God for a car, but you won't take care of your bicycle. You say, Pastor, pray with me, agree with me. I'm believing God for a home, but your apartment is filthy. That's another sermon by self. God is looking, is still looking for somebody that he can trust. He wants to trust you with wealth. He wants to trust you with influence. He wants to trust you with power. But the question is that, can you handle it? If you notice, Psalms 24 say, number one, first one say, the earth is the Lord. Then it goes on to say, and the fullness thereof. By the way, that means when the Bible talks about the fullness thereof, God is saying, not only did I own the planet Earth, all the minerals, there are mineral deposits on Earth. That's what we mean by the fullness thereof. All the vegetation. So God is saying, not only did I own the planet, everything on top of it, I own it. Everything underneath it. I'm trying to make sure you understand the Bible. The Bible is not complicated. Then it goes on to say in the same verse, so that you don't miss it, it says, the earth is the Lord, point one, the fullness thereof, point two, then point three, it says, and everything, he said, the world, and they that dwell therein. I wish I have time just to preach on that. Because God is saying, I own your behind. The world and everything that dwell. If you just get a revelation of that one phrase, nobody will have to beg you to pray every day. 
Nobody will have to beg you to come to church. But many of us, we think we own our own sin. We have become a very individualistic nation. Nobody tells me nothing. I am my own boss. You go when you want to go. You say, Pastor, you don't get it. I live in a free country. Friend, you're not free. God owns your behind. In all you're getting, get understanding. Are you all still here? Then you go to verse number two. I'm walking my way to the text. Verse number two, God is still making a case of his ownership. This time he gave us more information to authenticate his claim. Notice what he said in verse 2. By the way, what is going on in verse 2 is that he is explaining the engineering design of the planet. We all went to school. So he's letting you know, and if you ever build any home, if you ever build any building, you will understand where God is coming from. You know, when you want to build a building, the first thing you're going to need is a civil engineer. In case you don't know, we're about to build a youth building. And just a few days ago, the CFO of this, of this church summoned a bunch of us. You are there, Brother Deacon. Guess who we are meeting with? The civil engineer. The civil engineer. You know why civil engineer is critical? Because that person is going to look at the land space and to see if that land is water log. Because you don't want to build on water. If the place you're going to build on is waterlogged, you will have to send or spend more money to remove the water first before you can build on it. Another thing is that if you don't want to remove all the water, then you have to sand fill that property before you build on it. If not, whatever you build is not going to last. Are you still here? Ladies and gentlemen, because the presence of water is not a good sign for any construction. So I remember, and I'm trying to help somebody. I remember when we built this building here, this is the sanctuary. We did the same thing, calling a civil engineer. Then they discovered the ground in Pineville is not that good to build. I'm sorry, you native of Pineville. Sometimes you need to learn the truth. You don't need a preacher just making you feel good. So in case you don't know, we spend a quarter of a million just to do the foundation of this building. We had what we call post-tension foundation. Many, we don't trust the ground. The engineers don't trust the ground. They say if we build on this kind of ground, at some point, the foundation is going to shift. So they did a post-tension foundation. That means in layman language, if this whole building fall on water, it will float. That's why we spend so much. I tell people all the time, you see the glory, but you don't know my story. I wish I could take you out sometimes and just educate you where we've been, how far the Lord brought us. Are you still here? And it's not just here. Then we have to build. This is 2.8 million. Then we have to build another structure, 5.2 million. 
guess what? We ran into problem again. The same thing, the ground, no good. Welcome to Pineville. I'm sure the mayor will come and say, Rev, help me, tone it down. This time, where we build Family Life Center used to be a bayou. Hello, somebody. That means it was full of water. Just to fix the foundation, take us 18 months. Now you just go into the building and you shake your booty, but you don't know the story. Guess what? We are fixing to build another structure. It will cost $4 million just for young people. Guess what again? We run into another problem. Under the ground, there were pipes. They used to run excess water from top of the hill through that property. So we cannot build on it until we first reroute you don't want to build a house and then water is running underneath. I know many of the deacons say, why you tell so much? Just to do that alone, to make the water flow differently is going to cost us 60000 We already got the bid for it. Your deacons are listening to me as I'm talking to you. Every now and then I take you behind the scenes. And then you say, how does this apply to what God is saying? So, for your information, God used the same engineering design when he made the earth. In case you don't know, he founded the whole earth on water. And there's a reason why he did it. He founded the whole earth on water. It means, ladies and gentlemen, the earth doesn't have true foundation. You don't build on water. And God designed the whole planet. So when you're sitting there acting a fool, Think, oh, I'm in a free country. and nobody can touch me. You are ignorant of the word of God. The, the ground you're sitting on is on water. The whole planet you're sitting on is on water. Why would God do that? And if you don't believe me, you go to any house. You begin to dig the foundation. Sooner or later, you're going to run into water. Confirming what the Bible is telling you. Everything on earth, including your diploma, including your career, including your beautiful home, including your yacht, is on water. Ladies and gentlemen, it means by design, God did not intend for this planet Earth to last forever. From get-go, he designed the whole planet that you're sitting in, that you're acting as if you're all that. He never intended this planet to last forever. In fact, he said, in that, oh, i got to hurry up. He said, heaven and Earth shall pass away. It was by design, ladies and gentlemen, so in the designing framework, the earth is not on a solid foundation because it was founded on water. Now let me read verse 2 to you so you understand what I've been explaining. Verse 2, Psalms 24 says, he founded the earth on the seas. It's in your Bible. Now, if you read that, you say, what, what are they talking about? Now you know. 
He goes on to say, he established the earth upon what? Floods. Water, water, water. It means, ladies and gentlemen, here on earth, we do not have true foundation. And that is why you go to verse 3. Now God is inviting you and me to a place. Look at verse 3. He call it the hill of the Lord. So if you really want to worship God, there is a place. The Bible calls it, verse 3, he calls it the mountain of the Lord. Just in case you don't understand the term, the hill of the Lord. So, God said, the hill of the Lord is the only place in this universe that has true foundation. So, if you want to establish something that will last... You need to try to go to the heel of the Lord. If you want something that will secure, in fact, one scripture say, don't even lay up treasure for yourself on this planet Earth. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. I am living what I'm preaching. I'm blessed with a lot of things, but it doesn't worth a dime. My wife is sitting there. My children are here. They are troubled that I place no value on anything here on earth. This is not our home. <laughs> you, you are just passing through. The earth is made on the sea, the waters. The earth is planted on floods. If you talk to any scientist, they will tell you that. There's more water than land. And the whole earth is spinning in the midst of nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, so verse 3 says, notice what it says, who shall ascend into the hills of the Lord. Who is ready to go where the real deal is? This is where worship comes in. Then he goes on to say, because he suspected, people may not understand the term, the hill of the Lord. So he's, he rephrased his question. He said, who shall stand in his holy place? Now, he begins to tell you in the next verse, verse 4, who qualifies to come before his presence. Don't just go to church and say, ah, we enter his gate with thanksgiving in my... It, it troubles me that people, people will not get understanding. You don't get to enter. You can just go to White House and say, I want to see the president right now. They'll whoop your behind <laughs> and lock you up. <laughs> there are qualifications. Me and the choir, we went to Washington and we visited the White House. I'm using simple things to let you understand deep things. The first thing they told us is that not everybody can come in. God is my witness. They said, there's too many of us. So we select a handful. I forgot how many of them. Maybe four or five. We choose the oldest member of the choir. We choose the pastor. And if you don't take the first lady, you know she's, she's going to burn down the whole city before. So, so now we're running out of, you, you see how this thing works? So you just don't go in to the presence of God. You just don't go in to the governor's mansion. 
One of you took me. I had a breakfast with the governor. One of you, Deacon, you took me there. I think it's booty girls. We were, and, and we got to the gate. They said, no, your name is not on the list. You can't go in. I'm using real life to you to understand the Bible. You can't just say, I'm going to worship. Do you qualify? They stop us at the gate, right there in Baton Rouge. And the man has to talk to somebody and talk to somebody. I say, your governor called me. He has my personal cell phone number. That man said, I don't give up. Keep in mind, I drove two hours. You think I cannot find breakfast on the road? I was pretty upset. Then he said, we all parked there outside. Notice where we park, outside. And then he has to make some contact. And then the governor says, oh, yes, I know Julio. Is that Conte? Yeah, let him in. If that governor did not tell that man at the gate, I won't come in. So when you begin to sing, I will enter his gate. I will enter his court with praise. I will do this. I will do that with your American mindset. You need to know there are qualifications. Brother Pastor, okay, now we get it. What are the qualifications? Go to the next verse. The Bible is not complicated at all. Verse number four. He said, the first thing that qualifies you to enter his gate, you got to have clean hands. I can stop there and close the book and go home. You know the problem we have in our churches today? People trying to sing, trying to shake their booty, trying to shout and dance, but their hands are not clean. Preachers trying to preach, scream and yell all day, but their hands are not clean. Then you wonder why we sing all day, all night, no miracle. You wonder why most of the churches stay empty. I didn't write this book. You got to have clean hands. You know something that is required? Can you all read? Is that in the Bible? You got to have clean hands. You got to have pure heart. And then you got to make sure You've not sold your soul. Too many sell out. Some people are so messed up, they will sell their own people. Hey, don't turn me up. Then you wonder why we don't make no progress. How are you going to be the majority in a city and you're still slaves? Don't turn me up. You know, I'm on an assignment. Lack of unity. Too many sellouts. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will be able to enter his holy mountain? Somebody with a clean hand. Somebody with a pure heart. Somebody who has not lifted his soul to vanity. Make sure I'm in the book. You really want to worship God? That's what it takes. That's what it takes. 
I cannot pastor this church and hate some people and love some people. God will never answer my prayer. God is my witness. My number one argument in my home is this thing. Why you still love this person? He don't like you. He did this, he did that. I said, no, you don't get it. You're not a leadership material. Leaders don't think that way. You got to love everybody. How are you going to be singing in the choir, but you don't like some people in the choir? How are you going to be serving the deacon? You won't even gather with your brethren because you don't like some people. And then you expect God to answer your prayer. Who will ascend to the heel of the Lord? Who will be able to go into his holy mountain? Number one, you must be born again. Number two, your hands must be clean. Number three, your heart must be pure. Number four, don't sell your soul. I am troubled by so many preachers. They will give them a few dollars and they sell their own people. Sell your own people. The Bible also says, num number five, you cannot swan to deception. You know the truth and you're standing for lies. Can you, handle, can you handle the word of God? So I got, I, got, I got to stop. You have to come back 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I have so much in my bosom. Pregnant with the word of God. The Bible says if you, if you really want to worship God, pay attention to your salvation. Pay attention to your hands. Pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your soul. Pay attention to your commitments. Verse number five said, oh, I got to hurry. He said, if you do this thing, then you qualify for worship. Notice what he said will happen to you. You will receive blessings. Make sure that is. This is how you get blessed. This is how you prosper. God will make you righteous. Make sure it's in your Bible. It means people that enter the heel of the Lord, people that penetrate the mountain of his holy place, they are blessed. They are righteous. Whatever they taught, God bless it. You shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit in your season. Whatsoever you do shall prosper. God will prosper you. God will prosper the hand, the work of your hand. God will prosper your children. God will prosper your career. God will prosper your ministry. God will prosper everything you touch. It's time out for just having religion. We need to have a little talk with Jesus. Are you still here? Ladies and gentlemen, we will say, okay, it's time for warfare. Let's send Judah. And that's scriptural. Because Judah are the worshiper in the presence. But now you're trying to send Judah who is drunk. Now you're sending Judah to go fight for you, and he's a crackhead. Ain't nobody shouting now. 
You want the preacher to pray for you, and the preacher's messed up. He can't even get his own prayer answered. How can he help you? His hands are not clean. See how you got quiet now? His heart. The Bible says, oh, no man, nothing. Whereas you don't know what she did to me. You don't know what he did. Let me say this in court. Oh, I got to stop. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our perfect example. You know, he went into the wilderness. He never started worshiping God until he has put himself in solitude. Put it for 40 days in silence. 40 days with no food. Ladies and gentlemen, 40 days of being tempted. You know what we call that? Preparation. The problem is that you try to sing, you try to worship, not prepared. You'd be amazed how many people before the pulpit. If you have an insight to how much preparation I do before I come before you, you will never talk to me again. You'll be scared of me. Now those of you who have access to me, you have a glimpse of it. The reason why I come and I can speak with boldness. The reason why I come, I'm walking as if I'm just chilling. But time and energy and resources and dedication and meditation stand before God. Before you stand before the people. You come to church, but demons are also in the church. You think I'm ah, you think I'm going to stand here not ready to confront every demon, every wizard, every witches in this house. The devil is alive. I'll say this in conclusion. The problem with the body of Christ, we focus on exterior. And we neglect the interior. You know what the exterior is? We sing. In fact, we don't just sing anymore. You got a song. <laughs> exterior. The pulpit. They will tell you, you got a Preach until the roof come down. Exterior. I can tell you the year I literally stopped preaching. When I got revelation that just entertaining you will not do any good for you. Exterior. We shout. Exterior. We dance exterior. But what is really missing, when you see Jesus disappeared, he's dealing with the interior. It's a call to godliness. I'm calling you and challenging you I'm calling you to holiness. I'm calling you to complete commitment to God. It's not about whether somebody deserves it. I, I, I hate to tell you this. 
I was so concerned about this area. I told my own wife, I will remove you standing next to me until you get hold of this revelation. God is my witness. You cannot serve God. Your hand must be pure. Your heart must be right. Your soul, you cannot be a seller of your own people and express Central Louisiana to go. I, I, I thank God for my wife now. She, finally, she has to watch it. And then she finally get it. It is critical. It's not what you're singing. It's how you sing. Oh, I got to stop. Everybody stand. Okay, I, I can go on there. No. I got to pray. Amen. Hold somebody's hand. Father, I thank you. Thank you for a spirit of learning. You said in your word, in all your getting, get understanding. That's what Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says. Wisdom is the principal thing. He said, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. God don't want no religion. God is looking for true worship. How do you react when God healed your body? How do you react? I was watching a movie not too long ago. It called Sound of Freedom. Little kids being kidnapped and sold into slavery. But God spare your own child. How do you react to the goodness of God in your life? I was sitting there in tears, rolling my eyes. Raise five children, don't even know what I'm doing. And God spare me. Not one of them is a runaway. Not one of them is a failure. How do you react to the goodness of God? You ought to be the one shouting. You ought to be the one running all over the building. You ought to be the one say, Oh Lord, I thank you. Every week I see on television how many people are unemployed. They are seeking for a job. They couldn't find one. And here you are. You have two jobs. This house ought to be a house full of thanksgiving. And if you're here believing God for a miracle in your life, become a true worshiper. Don't hate nobody. Love them. It don't matter what they did to you. It don't matter what the devil is planting in your head about them. Make up your mind. For God I live. For God I die. Father, I thank you for the healing that is taking place right now. Touch our hearts, oh God. Help us to be a true worshiper. Help us to love you with all of our heart with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our body. Help us, oh God, not to be a sellout. Lord, clean us from inside out. Glorify yourself. Let this house be a house of true worship. People coming from east, from west, from north, from south, to behold the glory of God here in Zion Hill. Lord, I pray that people will come in here and feel the glory of God and have an impact, an encounter with the Holy Ghost because this is a true house of worship. 
thank you for it. I thank you for godliness in this house. I thank you for clean hands, pure hearts, souls that are not lifted up to vanity, no sellout in this congregation. We're going to love one another. We're going to celebrate your presence. We're going to appreciate what God is doing. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Somebody open your mouth, shout amen. amen. Come on, open your mouth, shout amen. amen. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite all of our pastors and leaders. You may be seated. Let's prepare heart to receive the Holy Communion. Please mark your calendar on the 26th, which is a few days from now. We're going to have a prep rally for our young girls in this house and in the community right here in our church, the Family Life Center. Come and celebrate these young women. I'm impressed by what I'm seeing, what God is doing through them. And by the way, let me also mention, uh, the other day I went to the association meeting and I was given a check. And they told me one of our members, Madison, Madison is a stand-up Madison. That, that young lady, she won a scholarship right there for the association. It's all right to clap. Amen. It's all right to clap. Congratulations. And you know why the association makes sure they handle the check to me? The other day, they called me. They said, Pastor, you are the biggest congregation. We need your help in this association. They said, your girl just won the scholarship. They said, we celebrate what Siren Hill is doing. We need your choir. We need your ministers. They said they will try to make we associate ministers. Nobody showed up. Not just from this church, from any church. Nobody. They said they do musicals. They do meetings. They said, Pastor, we need you. I got convicted. Are you a Can I be brutally honest with you? 2015, I ran for office. I knew every preacher that worked against me. My heart was wounded. Guess what I did? God is my witness. This Wednesday, I went there and gave every one of them money. I said, here's a check for you. Here's a check for you. Ministers, crying. I did not even tell them why the Lord leads me to what I'm preaching to you is real. You can choose to stay with your religion or you can choose to serve God. It's up to you. As for me and my house, the 26th, come and support our young girls. Amen. They're not what we call right of passage. We want to teach them to do the right thing. Amen? All minds clear? All right, here's a preacher. Oh, the blood.
Lily B, and I'm here to minister communion. Amen. We are here to celebrate the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to understand this is a celebration. This is a way God has made a connection for us to get back to Him. Amen. So we should take this seriously and not lightly. We should like to think of the things that God went through, Jesus went through, for us to be in this position. Amen. I'm going to read the 21st verse of the 11th chapter of Corinthians, where Paul is talking to the Corinthians. Amen. 
on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. He broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he did the same with the cup. He said, this cup is the new promise made with my blood. Every time you drink from it, do it to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you tell about the Lord's, what he did. And he tells us he is coming back again. Amen. You may open your communion, eat and drink, and we're going to pray. And remember, this is all about Jesus and what he has done for us as a people. Amen. Father God, we come before you this afternoon thanking you right now, Lord God, for the sacrifice that you made, Lord God, that brought us a pathway back to God. We thank you, Lord God, for deliverance. We thank you for protection. We thank you for healing. We thank you right now, Lord God, that our souls are protected when we partake of this communion with you, Lord. We thank you, God, and we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name that it is so. Amen. This is our Father God, we just thank you right now for the awesome opportunity that you have given us once more and again. Father God, let what our ears heard today become real in our lives. Let us walk accordingly to your word. Let us remember this celebration, Lord, and carry it with us throughout our whole life. Not just this week, but our whole life, God. And we thank you, God. We give you glory and honor. Father God, I ask you to bless every person that's in this congregation this day with whatever their needs are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you wish to meet the pastor in the first lady, you can come before.